This meeting of the Castle Rock Historical Society will now come to order. A blank spot. Dead Welcome, everybody, to Castle Rock Historical Society. I'm Acadia Einstein, and one of the best objects in the Lost Room is Hannah Selector, who is right here right now, and her power is being an awesome co-host. Ugh. Based on the episode, it would be bad. Well, I'm getting ahead of myself to be a person in the Lost Room, but I'm uh-huh. here anyway, and I do think I'm awesome. So yep. there's that. See that? We Just agree. Kidding. I have depression. Uh, <laughs> but anyway, we're watching The Lost Room, and this week is the half episode. Episode. I guess when it ran, it was an episode. But anyway, it's called The Comb. But the full thing on our Tubi thing is called The Comb and the Box. Right. We'll just be covering the, the Comb this week because it was. Yeah. We're doing it like it was six nights. Of right. an hour each instead of three nights of two hours each. We're going to pretend like it's 2002 or whenever this actually was. Six. 2006. Yeah. That's not, it's not nearly as old as everyone's pants width seems to imply. <laughs> because everyone's pants are too damn big yeah, in this are. show. <sighs> they can't help it. So poor Joe. Man, oh man. You'd think that things couldn't get any worse, but they're... They're gonna get worse. Yes, they are. They, they. His daughter's missing. His partner's dead. Ugh. He's getting his apartment framed. hotel room. Yep. Yeah, that being framed by his former friend, or maybe not, not really former friend at all, Rumor. for his partner's murder. Mm-hmm. Yeah. As we said last night or last uh, episode, that's an evil guy name. Should have known that from yeah, the beginning. It's true. But we enter upon. Joe having a nightmare in the disembodied hotel room that is now his home of his daughter screaming for him, which is really, it was really upsetting. Actually, I thought that was real. And I was like, oh, my God. Yeah, that would be pretty creepy, though. Like, yeah, that would have been and, a good effect to throw in. And also, just like, I don't know, it would make the situation just like a little too terrible. Like, oh, this nine-year-old is in perpetual physical agony yeah. wherever. That would suck. But... Joe needs some help, so he calls up... Jennifer. Yeah, I almost said Mariska Hargitay, but it's not Mariska Hargitay. It's... No, Juliana Margulies. Juliana Margulies, which is the same number of syllables, I Mm -hmm. believe. And uh, she has very graciously gotten him some fake IDs and credit cards for some reason. Yeah, she she hooks him up. Even though he knocked her out with a nail file. With her own nail file, no less. And he took it. Yep, he took it. But then he is like, yeah, well, I need help, blah 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 And as, I guess, a show of good faith, he gives yeah. her back the nail file and gives her the pen and says, do whatever it is you do with them. Destroy them, put them up your butt, it's whatever. Right. And uh, she says, oh, are you going to join us? And he's like, nope, just trying to find my daughter. Yeah, which for me, as a person who hasn't seen the whole show yet, I'm like, but what if those are the objects that you need the combination of blah, blah, blah? Like, if I were him, I'd just be trying to, like, fill up the room. Yes. You know, because it just seems like you never know what combination of objects you're going to need. Well, true, but but he still thinks... uh, He's focused on the prime object. The prime, yeah, the prime one. And he's and no way the weasel would have the prime object. Well, wouldn't the weasel be disappointed that he had it and let it go? What a dink. Okay. Legion. Then we meet the weirdest damn character in the show so far. Is it Martin? 
uh, Stritsky, this little Mr. Stritsky, but yes. I don't remember his first name. His and name he, is Harold. Harold Stritsky. There we go. And he walks like my three-year-old niece. <laughs> the man has no equilibrium whatsoever, and no. they do explain this. We meet Harold as he's buying just an ass load of Dramamine. He's buying Dramamine and picking up his pictures. Oh, yeah. His peeping Tom shots. Mm-hmm. And combing his disgusting hair repeatedly. <laughs> it is nasty. And he's got these, like, Coke bottle glasses. He is a sight to behold. Yeah. And it turns out that the comb stops time. Yep. For just a teensy bit, though. Yes. But we don't the- know that at this point they're holding well, that back. Yeah, but you gotta guess because every time Harold is combing his gross tangled locks, he's like no clipping. Right. Behind a counter and then out a door and then yeah. he punches the guy in the face and then goes beep boop weep across yeah. a parking lot, yeah. staggering all the way yes. and puking in a trash can in front of a lady and her son just yes. trying to enjoy the afternoon. <laughs> and a disheveled weirdo barfs in front of him. And then bops on down the road. We've all been there. Yeah. So we we see that Harold has an object, the comb, mm-hmm. as the title of the episode would imply. Uh, but we don't get to stay with him for long. We have to flash back to Ruber. Ruber! Who is... Now, this did make me happy, but it didn't quite track for me. The lady detective. I don't really know her name. Lee. I'm sure they've... Lee. Okay. I know they've said it, but we all know I'm terrible with character names. She is going over the Lou shooting scenario. Ruber's getting all defensive. I've already yeah. told you what happened. It checks out perfectly forensically because I'm a forensic right. analyst. Analyst. It was, it was like that the guy that the, in Georgia that was the, in charge of counting the votes that was like, "Well, looks like I won." Right, exactly. <laughs> and to her credit, she's like, "Well, yeah." forensically but logically not so much so at least she's got a sniff of like something's not right here she's asking him like who shot first who had the other gun you know why did any of that happen right exactly like you know there's really no motive here whatever but ruber's losing it he's not eating his wife's dinners nope he says can i just say yeah Yeah, that's my biggest, like, why the fuck do you do this kind of thing in, like, cinema, TV, and real life, if there are people who do it, is sit at opposite ends of your big-ass dining table. Isn't that crazy? It's so weird and stupid. <laughs> I mean, I... So I know people that are, like, eat at the table people. We eat at our table. Eh. Like, sometimes. Always? No, definitely not always, because yeah. we're just a married couple. Sometimes yeah, yeah. it's in front of the TV. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But even a... when we do eat at our table, we sit, like, next to each other, like, on a corner. You know, yeah. like, Jason yeah, yeah. will sit to one side and I'll sit at the end. But we never sit, like, all the way the table across from each yeah. other. No. Unless you have a little bell that you can ring and somebody's going to bring you soup, then you don't sit like that. Right. To me, that's become the universal, like, visual signal of a marriage that is in trouble. Like, we <laughs> fucking... We fucking hate each other. So we're going to sit on opposite sides of our giant dining table and passive aggressively slide the salt back and forth across 15 feet of oak. Yep. Along with, with, but somebody took the time to put flowers in the middle of it just to get in the way. Yeah. And like his wife is so nice. Like, oh, you're She's so stressed because, nice. because a, a man died in our house. We yes. should move. I don't like it here anymore. And he's like, God damn it. Leave me alone. Look, woman, I need to stare at my, you know, weird little sketches of dried herbs and yeah. think about how I'm going to get an object. That's true. He, uh, and, and while they're having this discussion, then the phone rings. Yeah. And crabby it's the lady. Bed. Yeah. It's, it's the order. And she's like, you had a chance to get the key. Did you get the key, stupid Ruber? And he's like, well, no, see what happened was. And she's like, yeah, well, bring us a, bring us an object and you're in. Jack. Yeah. This, this lady has the crazy eyes. Like the leader of the order is she sells that crazy cultist angle yes. quite very, well. Very, very well. So yeah, I was impressed with that. I liked that a lot. I <laughs> like her, even though she bad and crazy. Yeah, she is bad. So, is this the point in the episode where we learn about this Susie Kang lady? Well, 
um, the, the lady from the order just says, Kang. <laughs> oh, yeah, it wasn't helpful. Right. And, and, and so that's where that gets left, um, Khan! For the, Khan! Yes, Kang! So the, yeah. at the time, anyway, that's, that's how it, um, gets left. By the way, Ann Cusack, Still getting work. I just finished watching The Boys on Amazon. Oh, yeah. That's a thing. And she was in that. Well, why shouldn't she? She's, she seems like she's a working. perfectly adequate actress. Yep. She's working her butt off. And anyways, uh yeah, he knows that Kang exists now. Right. Although that's not where we go next. No. Because Joe took... Oh, and when he went to go see Bloom... It was raining out, and it was funny because he was like, ah, shit. And he went back into the room because there was a coat hanging in the in the closet of the room. And, another object. Right. And this is another one of those things that, I mean, it's kind of a movie thing, but when a character in a movie finds clothes, they just fit. And that's oh, not, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, it, everyone mm-hmm. finds a guard that's just their size to knock out. You know what I mean? Like it's, right. it's it, the odds of you and I going into a place and finding two people exactly our size to knock out and get their uniforms pretty much zero. Yeah, pretty much. So. And I, well, you know, maybe it's an object, but yeah. this leads well, not that specific action, but Joe gets pinched by Kreutzfeld's dudes, his goons. Yeah, they roll up in a big black Escalade and yep. shoot shoot him with big old pellets. Yep. Big shotguns, and he's trying to climb a fence, and he cannot climb the fence while he's getting shot by yep. shotguns. And right. Oh, get- he slightly tackles a homeless guy, but put a pin in that. Yes. Because this part. He gets dragged into a closet at mm-hmm. plate house, and then when he takes off the coat or moves the coat, all the shotgun pellets, the buckshot... Falls out, which originally I was like, oh, well, what a big coincidence. That's convenient. Yeah, the coat's bulletproof. That's its power. And then I was like, oh, no, wait. Objects are indestructible. So. Yeah, so we don't actually know what the coat necessarily does. That, it right. Could... The coat's power might just be it fits whoever puts it on. Like, <laughs> Right. Because I think Joe does mumble something to the effect of, yeah, indestructible. Right. So now we know the coat is definitely an object. Mm-hmm. And. We don't know what it does, but anyway, Kreutzfeld is um quite forgiving considering everything that went on. Yeah, but we do kind of figure out why. Yes. Um. So he he's... talks to Joe. He's like, "I'm on your side. I understand you want to find your daughter, but I want you to know that I understand you for a very particular reason." And so we meet Kreutzfeld's little boy, who is dying of leukemia. Yes. So. And that's that was very enlightening to me, at least. It was because remember we asked what the hell was wrong with the kid in the episode. Yeah, because he one. looked mad sick. Yes, and uh, it's it's during that because first he's like, "Yeah, hey Joe, why don't you fuck yourself because you stole my clock and you broke into my house and blah blah blah." And Joe's like, "I'll be right back." And he leaves, and when he comes back, he has the clock, and he's like, "Yeah, I don't need this now because it's not the right. the the object." And then they do a walk and talk. Where Kreitzfeld explains, and it, it's kind of, it's, it's as good as Wally's exposition, I think. Yeah. Um, and, and it's important because it didn't make any sense, but it will later. When Joe comes back, Kreitzfeld is interrupted while watching a film, an old timey film. Yes. People appear to have fallen on the ground. Put yes. a pin in that too. Yes. Joe was like, well, what the hell? What's with the objects there? Carl Kreitzfeld, and he says, well, uh, the first day that we know that they existed was May 4th, 1961. The name of the first cabal was the Collectors, and they were the only people that even knew that it was a thing. So within right. the first five years, he says, they had gotten almost all of them damn near a hundred. A hundred right. different objects. And I started thinking, I mean, when I had a job, I traveled a lot. Mm-hmm. I don't think, I mean, there was other stuff in the room that was like part of the room, but I don't yeah. think, it, unless you count all the clothes, because honestly, it, 
like people pack like they're going to shit themselves twice a day on every day of their trip. So everyone brings I always do yes, that. Everyone brings ten times the underwear. Like th- there would be so many underwear objects that it wouldn't even be funny. So um, yeah. Then he says he says, "Well, what happened to the collectors?" And he said, "Well, they annihilated themselves, of course. And the ones that didn't die went insane. And the few that were left." took the most dangerous objects and put them in a vault. And he is very sure that the prime object is in the vault. And the way they set it up was the only way you could get into the vault was if you had the key. And he says, I need the glass eye because it can repair all flesh. And he says, well, what do you want that for? And that's when he says, you know, this is my kid. He has leukemia. So right. he figures he's going to cure his kid with the glass eye. All right. of a sudden, they're bonding. So we figure that Kreutzfeld has essentially devoted his entire life and wealth to this problem ever since he found out his kid was sick. Who knows if his obsession with the objects predates that, but he knows a ton and um, gave us a lot of valuable information in that bit of exposition. Yes. And it also makes me think about, like, if this had been, I don't know, 1750 then Kreisfeld would never have done that because their strategy for that was to have like 19 kids. So the ones that died, you didn't miss that much because you couldn't remember which ones they were. Right. This nowadays, you form silly attachments to your yeah, slightly exactly. smallish number of children exactly. and you kind of want to have them hang around. Instead of um, sending them uh, out to work right away. Right. When I became of driving age, I was never allowed to drive both of my brothers to anywhere at the same time because and this is a real thing that my mother told us if all three of us died at the same time she would have no kids left so she never let teen driver versions of her children go anywhere together all at the same time so you were like like they don't let the the queen and prince charles fly on the same plane not that the queen flies anywhere anymore well right yeah she was like, I'll have no backup kids. Now that we're adults, I don't think she enforces that anymore. But, like, I would take me and my older younger brother to school. But then my dad would take my youngest brother to school. So that's wild. Now, I yeah. – but I get it kind of – Me too. Like, I totally do get it. It's yeah. grim, but it's also, like, I well, think it was just a special mom paranoia thing. So I know somebody who told me in confidence, but since they're not listening – they're never gonna. They had their second kid because they were afraid that something might someday happen to the first kid. Oh yeah. So being afraid. Ooh, that's like that book with the kids, and they have the second one to be an organ donor. For yeah, the first so one. it kind of, I guess, like they were. I'm they, sure it wasn't as horrible and callous as the book. <laughs> Whatever no, you're talking not. about. Let's hope not. So, um, yeah, but. It, it, that had never occurred to me. I'm like, well, don't tell the second kid that. Well, you know what I mean? Like, ugh. if you, th- I mean, it's like their first kid is already the backup kid for the second kid. You just don't want to be like, oh, I have none of my children, I guess. I, w- I guess. wouldn't know. Yeah, but know. yeah, poor Kreutzfeld, poor Isaac, who is the little boy. Like, he was very, you know, chipper about the, I have leukemia yeah. <laughs> while sitting on the couch watching cartoons. But yeah, it really got me. That was a good moment that the show did, by the way. Yes. I was like, oh, now I feel for everybody. Yep. They do the same thing with uh, Jennifer later on. Yeah, well. But we won't get there, I don't think. Oh, no, we do. Well, we see, well, because it's one of my favorite things in the whole show. Oh, yeah, it's right before the very end confrontation of this episode. So, yeah, you're right. But back to Harold, who's. Oh, yeah, because, yes, because uh, Kreisfeld tells him the only surviving collector is Barbara Stritsky and the reason mm-hmm. that she's still alive is cuz she has an unbeatable object the comb right and uh, that's that yes so those sharp eagle-eyed type watchers will remember that Harold Stritsky is the current possessor of the comb leading us to assume what will later be confirmed that Barbara is in fact dead and a relative of hers now has the comb. I think it's her nephew. It's her nephew. Yep. Harold is. So he's busy bopping around a Kroger parking lot (laughs) because they they had big K cola in one of the grocery scenes. (laughs) 
some lady's cart gets away from her and dings into his like 1982 Chevy that is covered in rust and bullet holes. And she's like, Oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. Let me give you 20 bucks or something like that. And he's like, no, stop interacting with me. I'm crazy. I I don't really remember the altercation, but I remember thinking like if my cart had rolled into someone's car in a parking lot, I would have been like, oh, I'm super sorry, but I would not try to give them money. No, I would definitely not. That would not be my first idea. Yeah, no. And then he just, like, disappears in the most awkward fashion. Because she wasn't giving him money. She was giving him a bullet. She she had a gun in her purse. Oh, I didn't even catch that. I just thought he was, like, socially awkward. No, 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 no. So, um... She's one of the, she's one of the order. Yeah, she's one of the order. for the call. Gotcha. She pulls the, she pulls the thing way up and, um, she's hiding the gun and he's quick Mm -hmm. with the comb and uh, gets away. Right. So this explains some of Harold's slightly paranoid seeming behavior. Yes. He's being hunted by the order because the comb is a very desirable object, even though it gives you the barfs. Yes. Which means I would not come within a country mile of the comb because I would rather chop off a limb than vomit if given the choice. So (laughs) no, thank you. Next is the reveal of Jen's, like, Jennifer's, like, sympathetic plot. She's in, like, a long-term care facility visiting a man that I, in a very heteronormative fashion, shame on me, assumed was her husband. I thought his name was Scribbly Tom, because he was just (laughs) scribbling in that tray. (laughs) Yeah, it's not a drawing surface. If you're going to... (laughs) Like, you're going to visit your relative who clearly has, like, a terminal brain injury or some sort of other disability or handicap, and you couldn't at least just, like, bring him a coloring book or a piece of paper nope. to do his scribbling on? You're going to let him do it on, like, a lunch tray? Let him keep scribbling. And yeah, so it looks like he's drawing a barcode. That's kind of what I thought it was. Yeah, no, neat. Her. I didn't think of that. Yeah. Um, so that then it's my, my, my favorite offhand thing in the entire show. Joe texts her and says, I need your help. And she just kind of like nonchalantly sends him a picture of the door right by her so that he can picture it. And then all of a sudden he's there. Now that's badass. Like the, and and, she she still looked like mildly intrigued when he showed up there. Like, of course he was going to show up there. And she's texting on like a razor, which was fun to see because I remember that shit. Yeah. I remember that shit well. And uh, I liked it that. It was it was very true to form because Joe was capitalized, but Miller was not. Because it took yeah. him so long to enter a name, people were like ah, fuck it, I'm not. <laughs> oh, we forgot to we forgot to give Jennifer or did we give Jennifer credit for the Joe Doorman thing? Oh no, all his his fake IDs all said like Joe Doorman, yeah, which was really funny, that is but also good. obvious and not helpful. <laughs> She kind of, she agrees to help him, albeit like a little bit reluctantly. She's like, oh, now you need my help. Well, so they're going to go. He would have been like, I gave you the pen. Right. Like, and the nail file. Yeah. Like, what do you want from me? Oh, and we forgot to say that. Like, Oh, no. Is he driving with her to go retrieve the key from the homeless guy at this point in the episode? Because remember, um, no, I he told- gets it after he leaves Kreitzfeld and then okay. he texts her. Yeah, because that was, and you had said, pay attention Put to the fact that, it, he, yeah. that he, he, he was, he was feeling up the, the, the homeless guy and it's because he put the key on him. And the goons. Thank God. That homeless guy is a terrible <laughs> heroin habit because he hasn't woken up at all. Terrible goons. We'll go back yeah. and search the alley, not the guy in the alley. Right. You know what well, I mean? And like, what luck the same dude is there. Like, in the middle of the day, sleeping in a cardboard box. That just seemed like a bad plan, but it worked out really well for oh. Joe, regardless. They were just so, bad goons. And she says if she helps him, then the Legion gets the comb. Right. That's one of the... It was in the original, um, like, promos for the show. He just go, what's the comb do? And she just goes, it stops time. And yeah. when you said in our first episode... The greatest superpower in the world would be to stop time. I was like, oh, you just wait and see there, sister. 
Now, I meant like bad early 2000s movies of my childhood, clock stoppers kind of stopping time. Yeah. Where like, it was really more just like slowing it down really fast and it didn't make you super nauseous and it could be for as long as you wanted it to be. Right. Yeah, like that would this, be better. This kind of stopping time is not that useful, especially once we figure out further caveats with it later. Mm-hmm. Um, so Jennifer, whilst lecturing, um, Joe about don't trust Kreutzfeld. He betrayed the order, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. Yes, she says he was Legion. Then he paid his partner two million dollars to betray them and steal the key. So, yep. but then that means because she had said it was years ago uh-huh, that uh-huh. he left. But I'm thinking the two million dollars to betray and steal the key that was the beginning of the show that had just happened. Maybe, or that's the partner, that's the partner that he had paid who was then selling the key further. Is that Captain making all of that meowing? Yes. Hi, Captain! Um, He's mad. You have to, you have to leave this in the show. Captain is Acadia's cat who's almost as old as me. Yep, he's old. So. And crabby most of the time. He's old and mad about it, as yep. we all are. Aging <laughs> sucks. <laughs> but um, Jennifer is tapping all of her, like, secret men through Venetian blinds kind of networks. And she was, like, totally going to sell Joe out right just there yeah. to I this guy. Was that her? I think that was her boss. I think that was, like, the yeah. boss of the Legion. Right, this is some, like, high-up Legion guy. She's like, I've got Joe Miller in my car. He's got the key right now. Like, we could just take it. But this higher-up guy is like, no, no, you must wait for the opportune moment. Like, help him find the comb. And then, well, I think he also said something like, it's more advantageous if he comes to us voluntarily than if we take his key from him. Because that's bad. Right, but so, if you take the key from him, then he's just a yeah, fucking guy, and who cares? Right. Then, then, he's a guy in a lot of trouble. Right, he's, in a lot of know. trouble and doesn't have any money, so then Wally's bus ticket would then become a problem for him. If you don't have the key, right. Wally's bus ticket is a... or live in New Mexico. Right, exactly. Well, like, somewhere outside of Gallup, because, like, living on the other side of New Mexico yeah, would true. be really inconvenient anyway. Those rectangle states are big. Yeah. So... Not not the opportune moment as, what movie is that from? Where do they say that? You must wait for the opportune moment. Oh, shit. Is that from Pirates of the Caribbean? Maybe? Maybe. I think that's it. It's either that or maybe like the Phantom of the Opera. I don't know. But they go off to find the comb together in her black Buick. And then we find out about Chang. Kang. 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 Right. And it turns out to be this like hackery type lady in the back of a laundromat who locates objects. She doesn't fuck with them, but she locates yes, them she for large sums of money. Says, nope, I never touch them. I just track them. Those things will right. kill you. But Ruber, being a douche, even more of a douche, doesn't have enough money. Because she's just like a thousand bucks for me to even tell you anything. Yeah. Steals his wife's money. That online transfer was weird to watch. I was like, this is not secure at all. No. Also, you just, like, watch the money drain, like, instantly. (laughs) I think that if I ran a bank, I would make sure that if I did a transfer, that it would have, like, a jar on one side and another one on the other side, and the left side one would go bloop, and the other one would get filled up. Should have like a wagging finger gif, like, uh, 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 mm-hmm. spending money. <laughs> and on her website, it says, and this was per- of particular interest to me, that it's like, my services have led to the successful, like, recovery. And there's like six objects there's like the shoelace, the toothbrush, mm-hmm. uh, the radio. Ah, yes, which, um, Jennifer had, if you will recall. Yep. The pencil, the drinking glass, and the clock. Mm-hmm. So it's possible that both Kreutzfeld and Jennifer have interacted with this character at some point, because yep. we've seen both the clock and the radio. And so Ruber then pays her like $3,000, $2,000, which, you know, that's a lot of money. Yep. And she gives him a hot tip on some glasses yep. that are preventing a person's car from starting. 
which is further explained that the glasses stop combustion. Yes. So it's not just like, oh, the glasses will make your car not work. It'll stop any sort of combustion, which for the uninitiated drivers of cars is required to make your car go vroom. Unless you have you a know. Prius, which didn't exist then. Right. No, there were no electric cars no. back in the day. So he's going to go after the glasses now. And I think she says something like mildly insulting to him. He's like a little weaselly type person. Yes. But- and at the end, she's like, Newbies gotta love him. Yep, that guy gonna die. <laughs> but not quite. He's he actually is uh, doing just fine. Yeah, he he's moving along. He's yeah. he's he wants to really really join the order. Which yeah. cabal wise, scary. Uh, I mean, if we were gonna have a cabal, I don't think we would like. There's the order, the legion, like those. Seems- Seems real obvious. Super generic. Like, I would want ours to be something way cooler than that. It's like everybody went to thesaurus.com and was like, synonyms for group. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's no The gathering. Yeah. (laughs) The amalgam. At least the amalgam is kind of like neat sounding. Yes. Well, our our plan is to take all of the objects and smush them together into one big thing. (laughs) Into a ball and then roll it down a hill. We serve gum head. Gum head needs objects. <laughs> oh, that could be an object in a hotel room, though, like a wadded up, chewed up piece of gum. Oh, you're right. Yeah. I got the vibe, by the way, that, like, based on what objects are in the room, you know how, like, some people's lives take a sad or unexpected turn in such a way that they're, like, living in a hotel room? Yes. Yeah. It seems like one of those type of hotel rooms. Yeah, it does kind of feel like that. Because there's, like, a lot of, like, oh, I've set up shop here, in a way, kind of objects, like, food-type things, which you don't generally eat, you know, too much in motels. The other, it being the 60s, I sort of held out hope that it would be, like, traveling salesman. Ah, yeah, that's true, too. Yeah, that works, too. So, Jennifer and Joe, Joe and Jen, (laughs) Jonah, Jonifer. Because they're going to be a couple. Y'all know it. It's a man and a woman on screen. Yeah. So they find Barbara Kritzky's house thanks to her, like, gossipy neighbor who yeah. was like, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll be, be right, right on the here. Yes. Yeah, crazy. <laughs> Listening in on your conversations. Nah. And so Barbara has lovingly framed a bunch of photos of her and her creepy ass nephew hunting living beings. <laughs> All over the place. And then it turns out her nephew has continued a different kind of hunting and has been photographing women with his time stoppy power and creepily printing them out at drugstores who are not reporting him to the police. Well, technically, well, no, I don't know. It's Well, I think it would be clear that these are like not. There's no way, but maybe he's switching stores. I don't know. People didn't know from creep shots then. This was before Reddit. I guess, like, ew. So, but that's why the clerk, like, made a snotty joke. Like, oh, you're the pervert guy that I don't care enough to report you to the police. We're just going to have a good laugh about it while these poor co-eds get their, you know. Privacy invaded by Right, in their tidy whiteies taped up to some guy's wood-paneled walls, (laughs) which is everyone's dream. Now, speaking of invading, we're about to invade your ears with the next contest clue. So, listen up. Speaking of cabals, this one isn't really a question. Or it is, but there's no wrong answer. Which cabal would you join? Even if you had to make up your own. And if you do make up your own... For extra points, what would its focus be? So now that they are aware that he's a creeper, Joe does a little detecting, since he's a detective, and notices that they're all from this gym, so they head down to that gym. Smart thinking. 
And I just really hope that this is now going to become like a thing in every episode, even though there's only like one big long episode left, but there's <laughs> always like a goofy chase scene with someone who has an object. Yes. Like first it was the bus ticket yep. and now it's the comb as this guy just goes zippity zooping around yep. and Joe's trying to outsmart the person with the like superpower to catch them. Yep. And it took a while. It did. And so, of course, Harold is staggering around getting more and more nauseous, like, leave me alone! Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? <laughs> so finally, <laughs> Joe manages to get him into a barber shop and spill a bunch of combs on the floor. That was pretty awesome, and then I have just, to say. I thought it was great. And yep. then drag him into the room. He's like, sorry, sorry, everybody cutting hair. Just going to take these wet combs and yep. this weird guy and go into this pocket dimension that I've opened in your broom closet. Bye! You want to know a uh, thing that will probably not make you super happy, but it may? Okay. So you know that, that blue stuff that they put the combs in? Barbasol, yeah. yeah. The people that made that were like, well, shit, what else can we do with it? And their idea was Listerine. <laughs> so basically, people just swish the same shit that they put combs in. I guess that's why they say don't swallow it. Mm-hmm. I hate Listerine. I just really do. Well, now you have I'm a double reason to hate it. Very sensitive to, like, certain tastes make me yarf, so... <laughs> Well, and as we know now, that's nothing Which you I like to do. Theory. Yeah, so, geez, yeah. that's double whammy right there. Ironically, one of the tastes is Tums. Oh, no kidding. So I have to swallow them whole. Oh, my God! Yep, because I can't chew them because it makes me gag. But sometimes you have to, which is why I prefer like the pill form of Pepto-Bismol, which I usually take, but Tums works quicker. So sometimes Jeez. I swallow Tums whole, even though they're like the size of a quarter. They're too big. Yeah, that's no good. I'm really good at swallowing like large things like grapes or big pills because I take a lot of big pills. Oh, well. Oh, yeah. Well, also, my brothers and I used to swallow grapes whole to upset my mother. So We just got through saying how she, well, I guess she figured if you didn't all do it at the same time, only one of you <laughs> right. would die. It's like, what do you idiots better live? Yes. No simultaneously so, choking on grapes, idiots. We certainly tried our damnedest, but, you know, <laughs> we all live to adulthood. Now our job's over and she doesn't care about us anymore. I'm just kidding. Um, so, yes, he takes him into the hotel room and he's, like, frantically combing with combs, trying to figure out which one's the right one while Joe, like, washes his hands very slowly yes. and methodically. It was a weird scene. I thought he was going to go pee. Oh, and he's like, what if I just leave? And Joe's like, you'll die instantly. And Harold... Really? Like, that was yeah. the best part about him. He was so earnest. Yeah. <laughs> he's, like, so paranoid and ridiculous. But they end up building a sort of rapport, eventually. Like, a very tenuous trust. Oh, and Joe, of course, informs him that, like, objects don't work in here. Also, Joe has the actual comb. Yeah. So... All the decoy combs don't matter. Nope. So they reach a sort of understanding where Harold agrees to teach Joe how to use the comb. Joe promises, I'll give it back. I just want to see if it'll help me find my daughter, I guess. Mm -hmm. And this is when we find out that when you use the comb to freeze time, you can't, like, grab things from people. You can't move anything. Yeah, they do. He, He gives him time traveling class. Right. Outside the same weird bathroom that he kept making the weasel go in. To change, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. His, so, his go-to place. This is a crucial flaw for me for this, like, object, because obviously, well, maybe not obviously, maybe I'm just a deviant. Like, the first thing I would want to do is, like, take a bunch of money out of a bank vault from some rich dude who doesn't, yes. like, isn't going to miss it. Yes. But you can't move anything this way, so you'd have to, like, unfreeze snatch it, freeze it again, run out, have a heave in, like, the bank trash can, and then, like, get caught by the security cameras, so it wouldn't work. Nope. Which explains why Harold isn't living, you know, in the lap of luxury somewhere. He would have been Kreitzfeld times a million. Right. The only jollies Harold's been able to get with this comb is, like, snapping pictures of women changing at the gym, which one would think would get old after a while, but I guess it's not. Now, see, and this is a weird thing, why does... Kreitzfeld not know. 
I guess nobody knew that the old lady was dead. Mm-mm. Well, because if she's like a doomsday prepper, Except, like she kind of was. But wait a minute. No, the, because the Order did. The Order knew because the Order tried to kill him. Oh, yeah. And like her neighbor knew that she was dead because she was like, yeah, but I don't she like didn't her. Know he was an object guy. I'm just well, saying yeah. from the from the cabal standpoint, Kreitzfeld didn't know. The Legion didn't know. But the Order knew. So the Order yeah. has some stroke. Right. So they at least have a network of intelligence that, like, you know, and it's it shows that, like, everybody who's following the objects doesn't know everything. Like, they're all missing pieces that the other groups have. It's kind of interesting. Yeah. So they team up with Harold. How do we get to the moment that I'm trying to get to? He's like, because they show him that thing in the trailer, like his aunt's trailer. Well, no, that's but, before before that. After he goes okay. to after he goes to time travel class. Um, yeah. He then we go to um, we go. He says, "All right, I'll take you to my aunt's old hunting cabin place." Right. And so they're on their way there, and while they're walking, then we cut back to. Um, oh, it's because Joe's looking for the prime object. Yeah, he's, he's like, looking for the prime could... object, and yeah. uh, Bloom is Bloom looks at a picture. And she has like a map, uh, a hand-drawn map, and she sees in one of the many photos on the wall, mile marker 283. So then that's how they know to go there. And Harold didn't fucking know, oh, you want to go there? That's the old cabin, herp. Oh, but he does say that like his aunt told him, you know, come get this at the right time. Right. Or something. And it's the collection of photos. But before we find that out, then we see Ruber go to the garage. Right, 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 right. And, like, have a confrontation with a car mechanic that could clearly, like, snap him like a yes. toothpick. And he's like, yeah, I know. He's like, oh, I heard you found my glasses. And the guy's like, oh, why don't you go shit in a bucket? I'm going to just keep welding this thing. Get and, fucked, nerd, before yeah, I stuff you in a locker. That's right. And Ruber's like, well, no, why don't, but why don't you give me the thing? And he's like, no, why don't you fuck right off? And yeah. then Ruber sets him on fire with gas. That was messed up. Yes, but that gas was way too close to that welding. I don't care if you are a gas station. You got to keep that shit away from other shit. Well, you know, like fucking Tony doesn't have a chemistry degree. Well, He's no, an auto okay. mechanic. Yeah, but, but he, he probably he ought to know better. Yeah. So Ruber is like, well, screw you. Now I have the glasses. And, and as he walks by the flames, this was cool. Yeah. But it also shows that the radius is slightly small. The, yeah. the flames go out, but not like in a very big area around him, just no. kind of like in a three foot circle around him almost. It, it was very much like a, a minor Dungeons and Dragons spell. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? Like, oh, will it protect everybody? Nope, nope, just that one character. It's really not a Yeah, kind of like a repel in Pokemon, and yeah. it's, you know, it's not that useful in the video, you're still gonna get slammed, mm-hmm. so. It would maybe help you walk out of a burning building. Yes, oh, for sure. Which, which is helpful, yes. but in, in terms of, like, extinguishing an entire forest fire, you'd have to do a lot of jogging. Mm-hmm. So, you know. Well, the, the whole comb, the, the the value of the comb is almost completely based on how fast you can run. <laughs> right. So, oh, that's another thing to keep in mind, too, about the comb, is that Harold told Joe that, like, it's important, like, hiding places are important so that you can pop out of the time bubble behind something. Yeah. And, you know, be able to... Stick and move. Stick and move. You gotta right. just keep sticking and moving. And he also said you should try to get out of it and not be forced out of it. Like, it only lasts for a certain number of seconds, but yes. it'll, like, throw you forcefully back out. That's what makes you feel sick. If you comb yourself out of it before the time elapses, I don't think it makes you ill or as, as Ill. ill. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So if you try to, like, stay in there as long as possible, you're going to upchuck your guts out. But if you, like, pop yourself out before the time runs out, you're just going to get a little dizzy or something like that. Mm-hmm. But it also compounds over time, I guess. So now Ruber has an object. And Bummer. They're in the junkie, and then uh, Bloom and Joe and Harold are in the junkie trailer. And he looks in a super hidey, hidey place. Like the toilet. Yeah. Like the toilet tube. And it was a batch of old Polaroids. Yeah. That made 
they they look like they were wrong. Like people just took yeah. them wrong. They're messed up. They're like developed or overexposed or blurred or not even developed at all. One just has like some writing on it. it well, that one said um, Gallup. Yeah. And that so they one know was that they're they know that they're linked to the room. Like yes. one of them is an object. Yes. Or all of them put together. They don't really know yet, but. And Harold says, yeah, you can keep them, whatever, like that. And and at one point, he says, and, and it was during their conversation, and it brings back the other theme, when he says, uh, well, yeah, no, people are always, you know, my life is, is terrible because people are always trying to get the comb. And he's yeah. like, well, maybe it's because you have the comb. Like, what? Like, right. duh, like, and like Wally said, there's always a price. Like, okay, well, if I have the comb that tops, stops time, everyone's going to keep trying to get it. Right. But if all I'm using it for is, like, tit shots, yeah. there's an internet. Right. And it's 2006, so I mean, like, there's boobs on the internet yeah, at was, this point. It was plenty. Plenty. Yeah. Yeah. So, suddenly gunfire. Yeah. Ba-ba-ba, it's the order. And they just have a bunch of hunting rifles. Yes, because apparently they're very, they're very organized, but the, the assault went, oh, you know what? It was 2000. No, I was going to say, um, uh, the assault weapons ban was still in effect, but I think it wasn't at that point. I think that Bush had already let it expire. Well, yeah, and either way, like, none of them had, they could probably have gotten a hold of illegal guns, but for whatever reason, they've chosen hunting rifles, which are not, like, a very rapid reload option, it doesn't no. seem like, but whatever, well, there's, like, masquerading as hunters. Yeah, that's true. So, Joe gives him the old razzle-dazzle with the comb, and yep. starts strafing around, Spocking them in the back of the neck and like slapping bullets with hands and doing all sorts of crazy stuff. Jennifer almost gets shot. And that, but well, he like the, the interesting thing about that, and it was 2004 that it expired. Um, the interesting thing about that was it would have been super easy if they had not done the establish of you can't move anything when the bullet was there, then he could have been like, oh, I'm just going to push the bullet out of the way so that it would miss her. But he couldn't. Right. He had, so he to, had to like, he like unfreeze time and like bopped it, didn't he? Or there's something he hit it. He used something to, to block it. It was like a sign that he ripped out of the ground or something like it was something metal, wasn't it? Yeah. But he, but now I, I'm, I got to think back because yeah. he wouldn't have been able to do that either. It right. must have been something that he had on him when he did it, but whatever oh, it was. Oh, it was, it was probably an object, right? Because that would be indestructible. I guess. Maybe the Polaroid? I don't know. Either way, he conquered a bullet and saved Jennifer's life, and they did manage to take out all of the order people. Bad guys, yeah. Yeah. Okay, here's your next clue, and it is not object-related, it is cabal-related. The Order is one of the cabals, but that is not its full name. What is the full name of the Order? And then Harold's like, yeah, maybe I don't want the comb anymore. Yeah. I think I've had enough of being shot at. Because yeah. he took a he took a bullet, like, right through the hand, yeah. basically. Because he comes, like, staggering out of the trailer, all mousy, after having done nothing helpful whatsoever. Yeah, nothing at all. Oh, you know what? He had a board. Ah, yes. There's often just wooden structures in the woods, you know? That well, you just it was apart. kind of a cabin. Also, he didn't get that nauseous. Maybe he just did it right, but, like, it didn't seem to affect him as badly. Yeah, no, it really was He wasn't, like, bumbling around like poor Harold. Yeah, maybe Harold's given himself, like, permanent inner ear damage by doing this, and he's just... Or he's got rickets or something. Like I said, the guy walks like my three-year-old niece. <laughs> you know? This just occurred to me. If you're bald... <laughs> okay. Would you have like would it, do you think you it would use work? your arm hair? Your yeah, your yeah, arm, yeah. your eyebrow, or something like that. Yeah, because it does seem like it had to touch hair because he was like tapping it on the counter. That didn't do anything. That's an so. interesting thought. What if you only had like 
any leftover hair at a really awkward place, like your ass or your yes, crotch or, your or something. Stop. Yeah, that's stop what I meant in time by with your pew. Oh, it was a shovel that he clanged the the bullet with. Yeah, that makes much more sense. Um, the if you gave the if you wanted to keep the comb safe, you just give it to a guy with alopecia. Then he'd yeah. never be able to do anything with it unless yeah. he got and a wig. Probably also the order wouldn't suspect he had it, especially if it requires hair. Yep. To you know, but yeah, that's an interesting thought. Could you just get like a real human hair wig to use? Because they make those. We have to find the writers of this on Twitter and just pepper them with questions. <laughs> just, oh, man, if you were bald, would the comb do anything? Just like pedantic bullshit. Yes, like, you just rub it on your head. Who are these people? Someone yeah, yeah, kill right? them. Like, you know. <laughs> Who's thinking about these questions mm-hmm. 13 years on from the creation of this show? Like, help us. That'd be really funny, actually. So then, after the resolution with Harold... Then yes. we come to the 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 house of the order, yes. where Ruber has the glasses and he's like, "Peep this bitch," and she's like, "Yes." And then it cuts. Now you must pray. Yes, but it cuts fast to what Joe has to go back and find Wally again, who is again brandishing his bus ticket at people. Wally is such a fucking mess, but I yes. love him. Yes. He's always like... He's just an ass bastard. Stop like, pushing me around or I'll, has, I'll fucking bus ticket you. Yeah. He has like major short man syndrome oh, and I am you. living for it. Yep. and he, It's very funny. And he shows him the the Polaroids and one of them was the, the a picture of, the, of a motel and mm-hmm. he says, all right, here we go. And he... He sends Joe and himself to Gallup. And oh, we got to talk. I just remembered where he like walks the guy out of a random tattoo shop. He's like, it's okay. You're not in hell anymore. And then just walks back in like this poor dude having such a bad day. But anyway, go ahead. Yeah, that was cute. Everything about it. That's awesome. Um, So then he brings him to the, the hotel and it's the motel. Right. And this is like, I know we're going to like end the episode soon, but mm-hmm. the, the second half of this hour, 20 minutes or whatever it was, was insane. Like yep. the next, I was really, really pleased with the next part of this episode. Like it's going to be a lot of fun to talk about, but well, yeah. This one ends with a fucking roller coaster because yeah. when they get to the motel, they get to room nine and then there there's nothing. No room 10. Right. And the key is room 10. So the whole fucking room is gone. And when they look at the door of room nine, they see a bunch of like nails pounded in and bent over and stuff like that in room in nine. In apparently not a random fashion. It no. doesn't seem like and it's not trying to hold the door shut. No, no. It was like, it, it was. It, it, Something hanging was mounted stuff on, on the it. door. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And when they go in. There's another, there's another, um, object chart like the weasel had had on the floor. Yeah, like an alchemy circle for yes. things. But then, out of nowhere, a screechy ghost is of like, a lady. Bleh, 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 bleh. yeah, and she's, she's all yeah. fucking screaming. Yeah, because Joe walked in with the key. Yep. That seems to be. So then he like rigs a camcorder to a skateboard. Yes. With the key so that he and Wally can tape this ghost. Yeah. Oh, and Wally's like, I didn't see a ghost. There was no ghost. I didn't see it. Like yeah. in total denial of it or whatever. Um, and they try to record this poor screaming lady who's like, help me, kill me, make it stop, mm-hmm. etc. And it busts up the camcorder, something bad. But yes. Wally says he can fix it. So. And my worry at that point was, is she like, at first I was like, oh, maybe that's what's happening to his daughter. But then I was like, well, no, then his daughter would be in the room. Right. Because he thinks that too. Like his initial thought is like, oh my God, is that what Snaggletooth is happening right now? You know? Mm -hmm. But no, it seems to be just this lady for whatever reason. And so at this point, my wheels are turning and I'm like, hmm, this is probably related to some serious shit. I actually thought that maybe it was the initial chaos that created the objects. I was wrong. 
Um, that's not what this lady is, but you don't know that. You won't find out until next episode. That's so, right. And we wrap know. up with Ruber getting initiated into the order. This shit was weird. Yes. Where <laughs> like, they're like doing chants and shit like that and trying to make it like a super, I don't know, like, uh, Freemasony yeah. as they can. And they she have makes some him objects. Pray. Yeah. And, and they have some objects and I'm trying to remember which ones, um. Watchbox, most importantly. Like, she makes him pray to the watchbox. Yeah, the watchbox is a, is a big deal. They there's also, like a table. Yes, they have a little light up table that has some of the stuff on it. And. And a diorama of the room. <laughs> there's the, there's I mean, a it, glass. It, there's matches. There's, um, I, there's a, like those little nail clippers, but like the, the ones that look weird, like pincers, like, Weird scissors. Old school nail clippers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. cuticle scissors. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Scissors. I guess that's what they are. And the shoehorn and the watch box. So they have like a chunk of shit. Yeah. She picks up the deck of cards and shows it to him. The and, Joker. And then all of a sudden he has like 50 million crazy visions and collapses. Yeah. So that's what the cards do. Freak you right out. That lady was so good at playing the crazy cult leader. Like, I super appreciated her efforts as the insane leader of the order. Mm-hmm. That was good shit right there. So, yeah. Oh, yeah, they didn't make him pray to the watchbox. It was the deck of cards. But the watchbox is important. And you'll find out later why. She's terrible at at, at not foreshadowing. Yeah. <laughs> She's also, like, not very good at the whole concept of, like, you catch more flies with honey than vinegar. Yes. I, you know, like, you dumb bastard, kneel before the blah, blah, yes. blah, etc. Kneel cetera. before Zod, blah, and In, yes. Instead of just, like, giving people, like, a little bit of information and, like, mm-hmm. helping them out. It's just like, nah, fuck you, pray to this joker. Also, I'm going to fuck with your mind and put a hole in reality for a minute or whatever the fuck she does. So. Mm-hmm. And there we go. The uh, comb, the half of the episode called The Comb. And The Comb was very significant, even though... Not really. <laughs> at the end of the day, it was a neat object. Right. And it existed, but it didn't... Other than getting them into... Um, other than getting them into, like... The Polaroids, it didn't... Right. Really, all it served to do was, like, be a connection to one of the collectors and yeah. lets them find the Polaroids. It's actually... I guess it really is just a matter of perspective. Like, I would regard the most powerful objects as, like, the glass eye that Kreutzfeld talks about, like, the ability to heal all flesh. That's, like, a big-ass deal. Yes. Time jumping for, like, six seconds at a time, you, you know, like, I get it. That's That's crazy, but, you know... There's too much consequence for what little it is able to give you for it yeah, to be like not... the most powerful, you know? Yeah. I mean, it, I mean, it's, it's a powerful one, but it's not mm-hmm. the powerful one, I guess. Yeah. Um, so my favorite object from this episode, well, my favorite technically hasn't been revealed yet. So I'll pick something different, but it's the Polaroid. It's my favorite object that we've seen in this episode so far mm-hmm. but um they're of course also very intrigued by the concept of the glass eye but the joker is interesting too i guess well they really opened up a lot of um, mm-hmm. different i guess you'd say angles for stuff with this i want to know what the shot glass does by the way that the order has i know right so you can many. win. You can win any drinking contest, or, even or, against Charlie Sheen. Or it probably is like it makes you regular or something. You know, oh, just yeah, dumb. exactly. Like it gives you your daily recommended dose of fiber. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Ugh, it's so fascinating, and yeah, I'm still. I mean, it's still for the for forwarding the plot. They oh, yeah. Definitely, I mean, it was a solid, solid episode, and Harold was a good character. And yeah, he ended up being kind of cute in the end. The evolution of Kreitzfeld mm-hmm. is not insignificant. 
whatsoever, because then it turns out that he does have a, you know, he's got skin in the game. Right, and it's an altruistic purpose. Yeah. Like, it's not selfish at all. Mm-hmm. Like, he he wants to save his child. I can get behind that, so can Joe, obviously. Yes. And I still and can't actually, get over how different Kevin Pollock looks. You know, like, I had said oh originally that he didn't look that much different than he did no, in the usual suspects. So and that different. was a, that was a lie too, because when you go back and look at the usual suspects, which if you haven't seen the usual suspects, I know it's a Kevin Spacey movie, so I don't know if you can watch it now, but if you can, then definitely do, because it is one of the best movies of the nineties. But yeah, man. Somewhere between 2006 and 2019, a lot changed for Kevin Pollock. It, yeah. I, time comes for us all. I'm not trying to be a dick. It was just like, I did not even recognize him in the Lost Rooms. It just didn't occur to me. <laughs> so well, I haven't seen him, and I've watched the Lost Room like once a year. So to me, yeah. that's what he'll always look like. Well, um, lucky him. We should all look, you know. And how we- so now we're... St- we're moved along, except that he still doesn't have the Primog. Right. Oh, and the roller coaster starts for real next episode. Like, it gets, it's getting real serious, which is fun. Mm-hmm. And of course, obviously, we're halfway through the series, yes. quote, quote, you know, so. This is the actual halfway point. Shit's about to get good. Yep. And it had already been pretty good, and now right. it's bananas. Shit's about to get better. <laughs> So, so, yeah. I am completely thrilled. I would say that this episode slowest so far in a, yes, some ways. It definitely was um still solidly entertaining, don't get me wrong. It just didn't have as high of stakes as the previous two did. No, because the the chase the chase with the comb was legitimately completely unnecessary. Like other yeah. than the fact that it was fun, and it reinforced what he explained to him and everything like that. But they, it, it was, I think they just said, Oh, you know, it'll be fun. We'll do a set piece where he's trying to like, what would you do if you were trying to catch somebody who could stop time for six seconds at a time, but also right. runs like a fucking crippled elderly person. Drunk toddler. Yes. Like I do enjoy the like zany chase of some uncooperative object haver. Yes. You know, cause now there's been two and I've enjoyed both. Mm hmm. So, but yeah, it really brought us not objectively closer to getting Snaggletooth back from the pocket dimension or figuring out what the prime object is. Nope. And now at least not a, so far as we can tell right now. And now we've got a new weirdo thing because it's the fucking lady screaming. Yeah, the ghost. And the order is more of a legitimate threat at this point because in the first like two episodes, it had kind of just been something that was talked about. Yes. You know, but now we see that it's like a real organization that's willing to like send a bunch of people with rifles to come and kill you in the woods. Like they're, they're bad news. So, so um, according to my, my reference sheet about the objects from the lost room, the power of the shot glass is unknown. Oh, okay. Well, then I think it's a great idea that it gives you like your daily dose of fiber, like eating a bowl of bran flakes. That is a, I've got no beef with that whatsoever. Yeah. Or, you know, perhaps it allows you to cook exactly one perfect blueberry muffin every week. So. I um, like making up dumb powers for objects a lot. Here's the thing. How far they could have gone with this, there's, and I'm just going to read off just the W's, the wallet, the wall painting, the watch box, which is a part of the show, um, the wastebasket. The wedding photo, the wedding ring, and the wristwatch. So well, yeah. some of those we knew were things, and some of those we didn't know were things. And um, technically, like, the possibilities, there's a math equation for this, because remember that objects behave differently when combined with other ones, so there's, mm-hmm. like, a huge number of combinations of objects that would assumedly do all sorts of different things. Yeah, it has to be infinity. Well, yeah, I could ask Jason what the equation would be, but because you'd have to like this to this certain power times this. Yeah, because it would be like possible combinations. If there were a hundred, it would be a hundred times ninety nine times ninety eight times ninety seven. Like right, but that's only if it's like two together. Now, if you can put four or oh, that's what I'm saying. If there's more than that, then yeah, it's infinite. Um. Television set, tie, timetable, toothbrush, tooth powder. What's a timetable? 
transistor radio, tray, and typewriter. Ooh! I collect typewriters. Oh, my God. <laughs> well, of course you do. Only mechanical ones, electrical typewriters can get fucked. All right. Well, that's good. You should be cranking out some <laughs> some reviews and, I don't know, mimeographing them to me. Um, oh, dear the- God. I didn't say I typed with them. I said I collect them. <laughs> Um, so yeah, they, there, there's really no limit to the number of things that they could do yeah. with all of this. So a great show would be like to go back to the collectors or like the time between the eighties and the nineties or whatever, and just like do a monster of the week type thing with the people who have encountered objects who aren't necessarily oh. part of like the cabals or whatever, but you could obviously have like the anchoring characters be people who were part of the Legion or part of the Order, you know, like, yeah. it would have been a really cool And then thing. Every, every weirdo thing that happened between, like, 62 and now. Right. Explain it with an object. involved, like, Kennedy getting killed and, you know, where's mm-hmm. Jimmy Hoffa and shit like that. You, you know, they could they could do a million things with it. Right. Mm. So, the All grassy right. knoll yeah, I know. is a... It's not an object. The grassy doll had the chest of drawers on it, which right. made a gun or like a come hand out. mirror that <laughs> took the bullet from this area and then just shot it. You know, anyway, <laughs> yeah, that'd be really cool. So uh, I didn't we I didn't announce the second clue, but you already heard it. So don't forget to um, emails at castlerockhistorical at gmail dot com so that you can win the cool stuff. And we have the neat old page all set up on superficialgallery.com where you can see, you know, the rules and what you're going to win. There's pictures of the prizes that you get to pick and uh, somebody's got to win them. Oh yeah, maybe we should tweet that page too. We'll try to get that out on social media too. It's good thinking. Because you know, sometimes I forget about things that podcasts said to me as soon as I get out of my car, like I'm resetting the room. You know? <laughs> so, We'll we'll get that up on social media so that you guys can get to it easier while you're like pooping or whatever. So done deal. So then uh we're in marvelous shape. Room wise and us wise, mm-hmm. we're getting ever closer to the marvelous Days of the Dead in Charlotte. So you better come and see us. Yeah, should be interesting. I am not good at sitting still for long periods of time, but we'll <laughs> We'll see what happens. Bring me Starbucks, people. Is that you? I was going to say bring us an object, but apparently no, your kidding. object is Starbucks. Please don't bring me food or drink. It'll make me feel awkward when I tell you that I can't consume it because it'll, you know. All because of Food Lion Cheesecake Guy. I just can't. Man. Ruining it for all of us. That guy. Well, do not forget, y'all. You are the real Castle Rock stars. Even though this isn't a King property at all, you still are. Yep, damn right. And the only news this week, just so you know, was uh, people in the town where they're filming bitching that they had a road closed for too long, and they offered the guy that ran the gas station 2000 bucks for his trouble, and he said that that was not enough. Big surprise. Fucking massive. I agree. Well, I mean, I think you'd make more than that at a gas station in a day. I don't know. Well, I guess Profit? it depends on how rural it is, too. Yeah, like, but also, like, if you're selling gas, you're not you're making, like, a penny a gallon. Well, I guess that's true. So, Maybe know. they're selling real good slushies, you know? Yeah, but anyway. The, the margin on slushies is huge. Well, all right then, everybody. We'll see you next week with The Box. Yeah. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye. This shit stops now!